This is the Things We Do podcast, a podcast about film, life, television, culture, mental health, and all of that fun, jazzy stuff. Today, I've got my special guest and friend, Rupert Ranieri. Hello, Rupert. You're... Very good morning to you. <laughs> you were very carefully drinking a glass of water while <laughs> doing that. Because I've heard them on these things before and they sound so bad. I know. <laughs> and then you just hear the clunk. Um, so we've known each other for quite a few years now, which are kind of ever since I'm, I'd say it's almost been about seven, six, seven years now yeah, yeah. that we've known each other. Um, but I remember... Uh, for most people who don't know, Rupert, you're an actor. Yep. Um, you've also done a bit of writing. Um, Written, produced. Yeah. You know, right now it's presenting, paying the bills after COVID times. Yeah. So. I mean, like, you've, you've, you're kind of like a wheelhouse of a person. Yeah, yeah. Real hustler. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I mean, like, we, we met each other years ago on a short film called, oh, God, what was the name of it? Um, Overrated. Overrated. And, that's and, right. Um, that was shot in 2014, believe it or not. Yeah. Uh, which is, you know, almost seven years ago now. So that, um, and that film, so many contentions about. Yeah, but no. It was... it's, it's good. It's good for 20 minutes. But... <laughs> That's what I mean, the time limit on it. No, I'm not going to knock that film because I thought it came together very well. It, it did. But this is films. You don't know what yeah. you're shooting at the time and how it's going to turn out. No. Like short films or whatever you're doing. You're like shooting at the process. You're like, this is a cool scene. Yeah. Oh, that's right. There was no other better scenes in this. And... That's why the product was the way it was. Or... Um, it's it's definitely not not a bad film. I just I think just just compiling it together because I think it had a week worth of shooting and uh, and it was very sporadic of how it was shot. And I remember when I got the rushes for your day, it was like all these se- two oh, you scenes. Were the edit on it. I was the editor. Oh my so, god. Yeah. Um, so two two. No, I remember we got up to like ten takes. Some of those scenes. Yeah, there yeah. Was, it was long. It was like okay, and it wasn't even like. I felt like I was like doing the same thing, maybe third, fourth take in. I was like, "Oh, we got it in the bag. We got yeah. it in the bag. Flip the cam." <laughs> yeah, I think it's like, and and I think it was also like the chemistry on set really works. But I think there was a little bit, um, there was a little bit of. Uh, I showed it to a couple of friends, and I don't think it's a bad film. Like anyone who, but I do think that one of the films that I do think when you when you, you make a film, and this is how I feel about every film that I've ever watched and every film that I've ever made. But this was the era of like housemates living yeah. together. You know, like it was like. It's film like film school students, you're like, write what you know because you've got your own house yeah, that you can 100%. shoot it in, do this, and you know, you can go limited the park. By, exactly. Um, you're limited by <laughs> But by I think what it, you've got at your disposal. And, and I think one of the things that I, I think I look back at it and it's like with every film when you only got an you know, you've got an office space and that's all you can use or yeah. you know it, it very much shows it, it's like that end scene. And I know that uh, Joe, who's actually a, a really nice guy, um, who made the film, he said to me, he was like I wanted it to be a series. Yeah. I didn't want it to be just a film on its own. And I think the problem was it did work better as a series because it would have told events to this guy who, when you watch the first episode, you feel like everyone around him is more evolved than he is. Yeah. And you feel like he's just taken about five steps back. To, and then you're like, where are you improving your life? Because one, you've given the job of your dreams. Yeah. And, and two, you're kind of like, you, well, yeah, it's nice that you come out to your flatmate, but at the end of the day, like... No one, none of your friends really cared about that factor. I know it was mm. a big deal for you, but um, did you come out to your flatmate or did what? Like yeah, that was a that's huge. That's right. It was so left up in the air. Yeah. I remember that. I remember and, the script and be like, are we addressing this or is it just going to be uh, like, it was yeah. so glazed over. I remember. And like, that's probably where he lost out is that like, you know, YouTube wasn't really a big thing and uh-huh, like running yeah. your series on that wasn't really like the go-to. It was yeah. everyone be a short film person. Well, like, I mean, like you guys did film school. It's like, go make a great short film. 
go through it to a hundred festivals and then you get your feature and then yeah. you, you, you get your start. And it's like, oh, does that even happen anymore? Like I, I, I wouldn't know the last few that it happened to. No. And I think, I think that's what um, film school really irritates me about is they really teach you that, you know, you're kind of this grandiose kind of like you can make it and, and everything, but you can't. A lot yeah. of the time it's hard work. A lot of the time your first idea doesn't really land to a, a big audience. And yeah. also a lot of the things that, you know, remember that we grew up watching, the times are changing still to this day. A lot of things that were big and controversial are no longer controversial and, and um, you know, and everything that isn't con- wasn't controversial as kids is now very controversial. So it's a lot of what you've got to adapt to is all these different ideas, these different perspectives and making sure you're always landing on, you know, the right audience, but also being true to yourself. It's a very hard juggling act because I feel like... Um, yeah, the audience of what who is viewing these products wants honesty, but they also want a version of honesty that they want to see. Yeah, it's very catered, and it's reflected in even in like I guess the the heads of our industry, the scripts yeah. that I'm like auditioning for as of late, or those sort of things. It's very much like when I started. I think when I first came out of drama school, it was like, okay, you're a white male dude. You're yeah. gonna be a white male dude, and I was sort of like, yeah, cool. And like, uh, like it's it's not the most obvious thing, but I'm, I'm half Italian. Now I'm walking into rooms and it's like, do you have any diversity whatsoever? I'm like, yeah, mate, I am so Sicilian. It's not funny. You know, like you want me to put on the accent? I'll do the accent. So it's totally changed from the type of person I was auditioning yeah. for in the last five years, maybe five, six years mm. to if you've got any diversity whatsoever, claim that. If you've got any, um, any sort of background or whatnot in terms of, I guess, your sexuality, yeah. are you this, are you that? What do you identify as? Please tell us because we'll cast you as that. And this is what annoys me because I just did a, uh, last year I did a role in a series where I got to play a full on funnest character I've ever got to be. And I was like 100% gay. And I was like, this is brilliant. And I was talking to one of the actors on set and he goes, you know, they keep casting straight men as gays. And I like hid in the corner because I was like, okay, I identify as a straight dude. But yeah. like, I, I love playing roles where I am just different to myself. And I yeah. mean, I walk, worked with these creatives and they cast me the role. I was like, if you guys think I can play this and you want me to play this, I will play it. And I feel so humbled and whatnot that yeah. I get to be someone not different or whatnot, but just something fun and something awesome. And, you know, for me, that's that's like a tick to me or a pat on my back that I can play something that I never thought I could. Yeah. And and I and I and I kind of said to guys, I was like, "Am I doing this justice? Like, we shot like a a, a promo for it, and it went really well." And the guys were like, "No, one of the producers and writers at Wintergarden, they were like, "No, we actually wrote you into it." So I, I was like, "Oh my god, I feel really humble. I feel so lovely." But that's it. Like right now, the hard thing as an actor is you're going. You're taught at drama school. Oh, you can play anything. Change your voice. Do those. Yeah. Things, change everything about yourself so that way you can be versatile and play anything. Well, only the big guys are getting those offers. Yeah. You as an actor are coming out, and you've just got to play yourself. Like coming out from drama school, or you know, you're starting yeah, 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 your yeah, yeah. development client in that sort of sense. You are just going to play yourself. You're going to get that audition for Channel 7's, you know, uh, John Edwards production or whatnot, and you are going to play, you know. Rupert Ranieri, but you're gonna have you're gonna have the last name Jack Hastings or something. It's gonna be totally different, and it's literally gonna be you just with a different name. And then in a few years, we can try and grow you or advance. Yeah. So, and you know, as a writer, like, do you write that for your actors? Do you just turn around and go, ah, oh, I know, I know, like, is is Isabella? She's gonna just play Izzy, or do you actually go, I've got a role where I want to push you? 
I definitely do. I definitely, I do both. And mm-hmm. I think that there's so many characters that I want to write and, and so many situations that I know uh, that, that the actor is very versatile. Yeah. I think, I think, you know, like with actors um, like Izzy, you know, you, she is so versatile. She is so amazing at what she does. And I think, you know, this is the one thing I say to her um, and say to anyone who casts her is like, I will highly recommend her because she is just so nice, so chipper, but she loves playing a challenge. She'll never like yeah. sitting still. And um, she does she does these um, Izzy Reads Shakespeare on Instagram and <laughs> I've stuff. I've seen this. Yeah. And, and I just, I love that because there's just, you know, this person who has this very thick Australian accent who loves, loves old classic um, literature and stuff like that and just has a very broad sense of, you know, love and passion for yeah. old plays and everything. So there's a very big theatre kid inside her and I love that about her. And I think that the only um, the only thing that people don't see about her is, yeah, we, as we said at the beginning, is just they cast her as the girl next door because for them, they don't really see her as anything else. And I think that's such a shame because when she does get cast as these, great, um, you know, as these really versatile characters, she really shines. Yeah. And that is, I think, like the case for many actors who, um, you know, especially female actors. I think it's, it's very different for male actors because I think with female actors, they are boxed, especially when they have mm. long hair, they have a certain look, um, you know, thin, tall, dainty, and therefore they just cast to the pretty you know, in a dress kind of thing. So, yeah, there's a very sense of, like, when I cast for roles now, I sometimes think, what voices can you do? What kind of, like, what kind of positions um, of, you know, um, like, movement can you do? What kind of different thing can you bring to the table? And I think a lot of the great thing is when you see them perform, it's like they're a completely different person. And I think that's always kind of the fun thing because now knowing so many people on a personal level you can really see when they change yeah that's that i think is like um the benefit of being actually really good friends with a lot of actors as well and getting to know um everyone is when you bring them to set they just go what do you want and you tell them what they want um you want and then they go and do it and there's no real sense of also though I think the great rapport that I have with Izzy and the same that I have as you is it's, there's never a kind of like, there's a little bit of professionalism and there's a little bit of off professionalism where you can go to me, I don't understand this thing, so I'm going to query it. Yeah. And I'm yeah, not yeah. afraid to query it because we're on the same level. Whereas I think like some people- Which is daunting with directors. I know. You know, like I don't know how, like I've had guys just be no one's overnight and then someone's the next day and they're yeah. working with the biggest directors. I'm like, how'd you talk to that director? They're like, oh no, they just kind of told me what to do or- you're really impressed with actors who can go up and exactly what you're saying, like say, hey, don't get that part in the script. Because at the end of the day, you don't want to feel stupid. Yeah. You know, you're on a big set. I've been there before on big sets and I'm like watching them roll up or like just on even a small set and I'm watching them roll up and I'm like, wait a sec, guys, I just don't even know how to pronounce this word and I'm too scared to ask or like, and yeah. like it comes with doing your homework, but like most of the time you're getting script changes on the, uh, on the fly yeah. and you're there going, whoa, 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 I'm lost, which means my character's going to be lost, <laughs> which means I'm just going to look like a, a, a goldfish stone yeah. on like, it's so bad. And I've had the experience as well, as well where a director turns around and goes, oh, but that's what I wanted. And I'm like, oh, dude, I can act that. Like, just keep me in the loop here. <laughs> Make me on the board. But, like, you know, some, director, uh, some directors or some creatives just want to exhaust you to a point or get you to a mm. point where they catch you off guard, which is all right. And, like, uh, like I mean, 
I don't mind looking like an idiot. I have never worried about it in my life. I'm like, hey, well, if that's what you want, then that's what I'm going to do. But on the same token, I'm like, oh, I totally get what you were doing now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, yeah, that's what I mean is if you're on, if you're, if you're getting there onto a set and it, it, like, for instance, it's that big scene you're talking about. No one knows sort of what's going on or where you're coming in. And it's as easy as the thing is people missing their cues. Yeah. Know? Which on film you get away with. But when you're in a theatre scene, I've sat there before with like, you know, 10 people in a scene and you're all going, well, we're just not getting this and we have to sit down come back, take a breath and just start nailing what everyone's yep. like, uh, I guess motives and, and that are. And if we don't, we've got to turn to you and say, Hey, is this working? Cause you know, we're going to get eyes on this soon enough, whether we like it or not in theater. And it's either not going to work and we're, we've not sorted it now. Or yeah. We'll brush over it. So, yeah, I think uh, that's, they're the, they're the type of creatives I like working with most. doesn't matter if it's, you know, continuity, if it's costume or something, if costumes, they're sitting, sitting there giving me an idea saying, mate, this, this coat that you're wearing isn't working because I am like so physical when I act that I will tear something or rip it. Yeah. I can see that really inhibiting if it's an erratic character and that's like where I tend to go. <laughs> you know, so like if it's if it's doing that, you got to listen to every creative on set and, you know, so, sometimes things aren't warranted, but yeah. you know sets. Like you work in TV, everything is a hierarchy. Only this person can talk to that person, can talk to this yeah. person, can talk to that. So I... I am, I'm pretty open to, it's why I kind of like talking. I go to a lot of like crew things, like when you're doing like the crew barbecues or those yeah. things, and particularly away jobs and that. Go to the crew party, have beers and talk to someone. They go, oh yeah, no, I really like that because I mean, I, I've come from like a lot of crew background with mates and friends and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And they're like, it's like, oh, you love that. And I could totally incorporate that aspect yeah. into it. So. Um, I think, yeah, I think that's kind of like, just the way that you need to be it's very versatile in, in a lot of different ways i think a lot of people who stay in their roles tend um, not to uh, that that to be honest bores me all hell to them dude like you yeah. did that but i want to talk to you and get to know you on set yeah and yeah you're around people who do that and you're like people are like oh what was it like meeting that actor you're like no 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 i met the character i did not meet who that person was yeah you know? so um, it's funny it, some people got to do it though and each to them Oh yeah, I th I think um you know I often hear stories like Jared Leto who you know the whole uh, but okay Martin if you gave me like a role and you said this is gonna be your Oscar winner I am just gonna go full ham and go like <laughs> Edward Norton American History X stay in it stay like buff and all that and if I don't get the Oscar then I'm never doing it again <laughs> <laughs> yeah I feel like that's what Jared Leto does on a regular basis yeah, but he gets the Oscar he gets a statue so. I know <laughs> and and. I I think it's one of those things that you know you watch you watch people who this is the other thing that grinds my gears people who win Oscars and people who win awards sometimes aren't actually the best at what they do there, there is a diverse kind of thing I think I think um the one of the best things that I think Hold on, have you watched like Nomad Lane yet or something. No, I haven't, and I really want to. Yeah. I, I know, yeah. but believe me, I, my parents <laughs> raved to me about it. <laughs> so, and and quite a few other people. So apparently, it's really, really good. Have you seen it? Yeah, I watched it like the other night, and that's the thing is that it's something that I don't know. Like you're like we, I had a family that went through the recession, two thousand nine. Yeah, yeah. So that's where it starts. So I sit there and I go, like, oh. I love that feeling though when you watch something that you really really sort of um relate to yeah and you're sitting there and you're like oh this is beautiful i feel it's like this wanky actor thing god i do love that this one for me was a hard watch just for i guess that aspect of it and also i mean that sort of storytelling 
you really have to sit there yeah. and you really have to sink in and you go, I'm just going to feel this way for the next hour and a half watching this. And yeah. there's, there's some of the best scenes I think have ever been written for the film in that, in that film. And, that, and that's the thing. I think it was scenes that I really loved in it, not the entire film as itself. Interesting. So that's, so, that's, what, that's my take on it. I mean, love Francis McDormand. Love, oh, love. Know. Like I come out of like watching three uh, three billboards, and I'm like, oh god. Oh, that film is yeah. amazing. Um, but even you watch it back in almost famous days, you know, like you yeah. watch that career she's had. And it's like, as any actor, I don't. This is what I was saying to people. People are like, oh, I'm going through a stage right now. Where all my family and friends are like, are you going to move on with your life? Are you going to do this? It's like, dude, like there are people who are sixty only just getting to the pinnacle of yeah. their career as actors or directors. I'm like, I love producing and writing. But when you get into those aspects, you get to play the greater roles. Yeah. Because when I was 18, man, I was getting the scripts that were not fun things to be talking about. It's like, I don't care if, you know, Dean cheated on, you know, Brittany and he, d- and he doesn't want to go surfing today out at the beach at, you know, Palm Palm Beach. What is it called? Home and Away? What's yeah. It yeah. No, something like that. But, you know, like the, the scripts get better as you get older. Yeah. And the scenes get better. And that's what I mean. When you get to, like, I guess, Oscar territory, those – didn't you read a stat years ago that, like, you know, maybe Universal has 10 films that could be Oscar films at any given time and they just pick a few here and there that they know they can get the run for? Yeah. I feel like Land was so good for, for that creator writer because she was the nomad. Okay, I can't ruin it for you, can I? You're looking at me like stone face. You're like, I haven't seen it. I can't talk about this film. No, <laughs> tell me something you have watched. <laughs> I think, I think it's like I don't. Yeah, I know. It's like <laughs> I don't want it completely ruined. And I was just like, hmm, I should watch it. Um, but I, I do, I do think that you're right about the whole like ten categories and everything of just like films that they haven't backlogged and they could be like uh, Oscar uh, Oscar nominations or anything like that. I also though I was thinking about Francis McDormand's like. A, stellar career yeah. and one film that i always go back to and um is the coen brothers film fargo fargo yeah. which is a great film but i remember watching that god when i was really young i was probably about 10 uh, when i first saw it it's very grisly for a 10 year old i like but... that i like when you folks are like oh you can stay up and watch this with me martin but, you know, <laughs> don't tell your father <laughs> yeah. essentially and then dad's sitting over at the corner just going i'm also watching this yeah, yeah. Um, but when you, you probably come from a family where you quote movies a lot uh, no. Oh, you don't? No. So I, I'm the child who did. Oh, right. Uh, I'm, because my dad is probably a bigger film lover than my mum. Mum's a book lover. Ah, uh, yep. It's hard so, quoting books because <laughs> usually the last five pages are ripped out of them anyway. Yeah, no. No. Um, and then, yeah, my brother's an academic, so he's more Oh, my to, God, two book quoters. Yeah, yeah, so me and, my, me and my dad are probably more quotas but then my dad's a photographer and he doesn't really quote much so he'll he'll tell me more about lyrics that's and songs. a hell of an artistic academic family yeah it's we're a bit of strange bunch but we're all very um like i get all my abilities to understand like scope and um cinematography and mm. stuff from my dad yep he did landscape photography for years wow so i get everything from him in terms of how to get get a good picture and how to get every and this is the thing now i say to anyone like cinematography isn't key it's not 100% key it is nice it's mm. beautiful when you get it right but i think 
also now that the understanding, and, I, and I've often said this now, which is now that I understand a lot more about cameras and how to use them, I'd love to, you know, if I were to direct something and shoot something, I'd love to do it myself because then I kind of know exactly kind of the tone and everything that I want. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of the time where I used to explain to cinematographers who I worked with and I just go, I want a shot like this. And they would just translate that to something, I wouldn't say very flat, but something that didn't feel like me. Yeah, And that that is something when you in like have your personality injected into your work, that's the best feeling in the world. Because when you know it's you and you know it's exactly what your brain is thinking, it's going at a million miles an hour and you can just present that in front of people. Mm. And people suddenly just go, I like that film a lot more because they know it's you. They know that your personality is injected. I find like watching short films where you don't see the director's vision or everything feels very flat or nothing feels particularly like... um, uh, like you know, beautiful or anything like that. Just very average because you feel like the director has just said yes to a lot of people and not really had a lot of say themselves. Yeah, that's the power thing on set. Yeah. Like, okay, I kind of need to be a bit, bit more downright with this person or whatnot. Or, yeah, you know, like that's that's where pulling your team together is probably the most important part. Yeah, you know? but also like I feel like this is you know the other side is you can do almost anything. Like limitation with with creating is. Only a limitation of you set it to be a limitation to yourself. Okay, right. And and I think you're think losing that, me. Go on. <laughs> well, I think okay. So take take this scenario. If I did a photo shoot not that long ago, and I had I was basically working as the you know photographer and lighting. Yeah. So I did everything myself, and I did it with uh, my friends Grace and Lachlan. And we were in a cemetery and I had a makeup artist there. She did blood on them and everything. And I was like, okay, I've Grace looked like she was about to faint because she was so ill. She'd actually gotten food poisoning and she'd come out to the shoot and I had no idea. And I was like, oh God, you're really sick. I, I feel bad. Let's get, it's 40 degrees. Let's get you home as soon as possible. So it was about eight o'clock. And I was like, okay, we're going to really wrap in like the next 15 minutes. How many shots do I want left? And I had four shots I wanted to get. And so I just grabbed the lights, set them all up really cons- quickly and, and consecutive, set my camera really quick, took the photos, and they were out of there in 15 minutes. I got four shots, like 100 photos, and f- um, four shots that I really loved. And I will say to anyone, that is how fast you can work if you yes. really set your mind to it. Thank you. Okay, I follow now. Yeah, yeah because <laughs> it's it's always people going to me, oh, I need 20 minutes, I need half hour. It's like, no, you get 10 minutes. Why is that? Like, you notice that on set. Yeah. I mean, in TV, like, you come from TV world as well where it's so quick, but, like, why is it that we need an hour and a half of setup? you know? You don't. I think it's a lot of it is just umming and ahhing. It's a lot of it just goes, this might work, this... And I get that some people want to make it technically look amazing and stellar, but sometimes you can do a I'm quick... I'm talking, turn. like, complete novice actor perspective <laughs> and, like, director perspective. Like, yeah. Like, and uh, the cine guys I work with, I love them. But, like, I've worked with guys... I mean, i got to say, Lucas Timoni, he is absolutely brilliant. I worked with him on a short film and he, like, I actually got him in. He came in, like, the 10th hour. And he just... Like, it, was, it wasn't point and shoot, but the stuff we got out of that shoot was incredible. And I, I think it comes down to like, you know, you're saying location works, this mm. works. This is what annoys me. is like, I am so overworking during daytimes in winter because your sun changes on you so oh, quickly. Or, you know, you're, you're sort of working there. Night shoots are always, and always just, I mean, like I'm not a locations indoor guy, but if I, if I'm writing something for myself, it's going to be set in a dark, dingy garage where I can control lighting, where I can yeah. do these things, where I can make it not cheaply, but, 
you know, that's your boundary or whatnot. So yeah. that's hilarious. Thank God you didn't kill your actress or actor, but slave for your creativity, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, it's I, I get what you mean now with your um your limitations yeah. on creativity that you created purely by yourself. I think I can't do it. I can't do it. Yeah, well, you can if you just bite the bullet and do it. Yeah. So jump in the pool. Yeah. And I think I think one of the best um, DAPs that I've ever worked with is a wonderful woman called Emma Payne, and I worked with her on an educational video, and came out of that shoot just being like. Every shot we had, it was like a daylight today where we had, we had, um, kids on set. We had, um, three 12 year olds, um, who were, um, in the scene and we shot everything, um, sort of like out of order, but all the girls were great. And we did it really quickly, broke for lunch on time, everything. I was producing this and I remember we got to, we wrapped early and it was the best feeling in the world because, um, Emma was just so on top of what everything, um, her and the director, um, my friend Shannon, were just really communicating very clearly. They knew what they wanted. They did it and they wrapped. And it was one of those feelings that you just go and you look at the product and you just go, this person's just shot 110%. Yeah. Like. Yeah, yeah. And I, you, but like, you're like, why can't they all be like this? Yeah, I know. That's and, where I always walk in. I'm like, why was that so good? Why was And in all honesty, in the times when you go through your harder shoots, you go, you have one like that and you go, oh, that's why I do it. You know, yeah. that's, it's so much easier. It's so easy. You know, I can make money off this. I can make it good. I can, I can get fulfilled creatively. I can do this stuff and it's great work and people talk about it. Yeah. And, you know, it literally was like five seconds of my life versus the stuff I spent, you know, two or three years doing people like, oh yeah. You know, the, so it's funny how yeah. that, that sort of, I guess, effort, I've never been able to measure the effort and, 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 and honestly the output Oh, like producers, I guess, are great at it or any other creatives probably better at it than I am. But I have never been able to measure what it is I've put in and how good the outcome has been. Yeah. Ever. Really? Ever, ever, ever. ever. Like I, I've like had people say like, you know, you got like, you did a film and it was like for this big budget thing and it was awesome. And I was like, dude, you watch that film? I'm in makeup half the thing. You barely recognize me. And those that do, it's amazing. Versus this great like indie art house thing that I did really gravitas like oh none of my mates or anyone have seen yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Fam- my, my folks like oh it's not really our style rope it's no we, we didn't really want to watch that so you sort of get your feedback output output of effort in versus return yeah and i mean like it sounds so contrived and so wanky but like you kind of want that when you're putting in you know the the 16 hour days on something or yeah. you're putting in the effort because let's face it there's so much free work in this like even even like for yourself creating these sort of things. But like as an actor, the moment a script uh, a script falls in your inbox, yes, depends how quickly you are. Here it is. You're at least going to do four to six hours on a 10-page script getting it right if you want to put in the effort, in my opinion, yes. you know, before an audition. That's four to six hours of free work, yes. you know. And we don't say free work because like when it pays off, you get it. But, you know, when you do start to doubt whatever you're doing as a, an actor or whatnot, you know, you start to go, oh, I'm doing so free work i'm doing all this effort like i did this really great audition i nailed the accent i got everything right in it got feedback got down to the wire it doesn't happen and that's right at the end of the day but that's what i mean is like that like i've done i've done auditions where i have literally got it last minute my agent's like mate this is just flicked into my inbox i need you to put it down asap and you get right to the end and you're there on set shooting for three months later yeah you know and it's like how does that that's what i mean is like 
if that's the industry we're in, it's not like, you know, as, as, as I don't want to do a sports analogy here. Let's just say like, <laughs> let's just say, you know, if you're doing a degree to become a doctor, you're going to have to do that five, five to six years of yeah. definite study to even get a placement to do that. You, you kind of know that's the road ahead versus I guess acting, you don't even have to have done that study to even get the role. Yeah. You know what I mean? You never have to do five to six years of study to go do that. Or some people have to do 20 years of yeah. just hustling, always doing it. Like, this is the biggest thing I will say to someone is someone's like to me, why don't you do more theater? It's like, well, I've done theater and I love it. It's just, I've literally sat. And this is why I also create and write my own stuff is like, I've sat there and watched the greatest actors in my opinion, killing it. Yeah. And like, they are like, they are bleeding their life into this role. They are so good. It's amazing. And they've not, They've that they, they they can't catch a cold of raw, you know? yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. it. They're they're like working on a on a side, or they're in a cafe still. And I'm like, that's why I diversified. At the end of the day, yeah, that is honestly is because I would love to be do, doing that. But the the guys out there who are just acting, I absolutely love them. And I sort of I sort of go to the guys like whenever there's a a catastrophizer, someone out there is like, oh, life's hard. Like you know, I've got to <laughs> get up. And I'm like, no, nah, just like take a bit of breath, fresh air, because. For me, I spent COVID 16 months on a job site, like out in hot sun in Queensland, working, laboring and all that. And I'm like, if I don't have to go back to that again and yeah. like creativity pays me again, because I've had that as well. But, you know, if I can just keep doing that, I'd be a pretty grateful, happy person. Yeah. <laughs> so. I, th I think it, this is also the thing I say about COVID scenario, which is, um, you know, COVID, COVID was one of the best things that happened to me. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's one of the best things that ever happened. You got the uptick of COVID. I, got, <laughs> I went, there we go. Um, and, and, and I say this one, because my job didn't disappear, which was great. Yeah. But two, I had moved into this apartment had started living on my own. So it was a real good inclusion to myself and my own self-analysis. And I did a really big reflection of what I wanted to do. And then over the years, obviously the podcast came out and, um, and started doing that. But I think one of the things was it was like you refine everything of what you've done and go, okay, well, what do I like about doing what I've done? Yeah. And then what can I use and do now to improve and do better? And I think one of the things now is one I said to everyone, network, network like no tomorrow. Networking is one of the hardest things, but saying hi to people that you, as we say, you've never met and everything and going up to directors and critiquing them and stuff is the best thing. Yeah. It's one of those things that everyone goes, oh, okay, that's really nerve wracking. It's like, yeah, it is, but you just do it. You get great results. And one of the other things is like, um, yeah, just just being like open, being honest, and and just write, like write, do what you can with what you've got. And one of the things that I I think you know I've been asked to help um, write a radio play, and I've you know um, sort of a radio series, and I think that's one of the things that I've been awesome to do, and I get to do that. And I think also though the whole year I spent teaching myself you know audio and how to yeah. run audio. And now I'm trying to do audio projects where it's like a lot of original content 
is now being listened to. And I think it will remain like that for years to come. I don't think this is actually going away. And I think a lot of people go, oh, no, movies will come back. It's like, nah, people love this because it's a new medium that has just opened up again because of COVID. So the the actors actually get, if another lockdown happens again, actors get go back to this. Like, yeah, the, yeah, And it's yeah. also good work for a day's work. Yeah. It's really quick work. It's like doing a play in a day. And then you go home and you listen to it a few months later. It's, yeah, it's, and you and you got that little tick of fulfillment, you know, in yeah. the back of your mind. You're like, yes, I did so much today as a creative. It's yeah. Fun. Didn't just work at a cafe or something. <laughs> <laughs> but it, I think it's also like with COVID, had I lost my job, I would have gone and worked at a cafe. Had I had yeah? done anything. Yeah, 100%. Because I, I'm one of those people who can't sit still. Mm-hmm. And I get bored if I don't have a routine to do. And that is just the way my brain is wired. It's always been that way. And anyone who just goes, oh, I haven't worked in this kind of role that I want to do. And it's like, do something else. Do something else to make ends meet, but do the side things. Because that's what I've been doing for years. Yeah, yeah. A lot of my creativity, and this is what I said to everyone, a lot of the creativity. Hold up, are you a Sydney boy? Yeah. You grew up here. Yeah. Oh, so you grew up in the hustle and bustle. I grew up in the hustle and bustle. And I think one of the things that I say to everyone who works in the hustle and bustle is a lot of the hustle and bustle doesn't make you profit. Yeah. And a lot of like everyone just goes, Oh, how do you how do you make things like this if you don't have a huge income? And you just like you just do because eventually they do pay off. Yeah. You've just got to get your name out there. And that might take twenty years, that might take thirty years. Yeah. But who knows? Because the point is you're doing something. And you're one ticking a little bit of your inner self going, I'm happy. And as we say, creative fulfillment, but also the other side is you're doing, you're just kind of progressing than most people that don't do anything and just wait for the next thing to happen. And I think that for me, yeah, but isn't that soul destroying? Uh, oh, I, I sit there. No, I, I have so many friends who just have this ego after getting a role on something. You go, I can't. It's in the acting sense. Oh, I can't. I couldn't possibly go back to that normal job that I had and have people see me. Yeah, you know, do what I did before I was on this show. It's like, dude, it is so all right. But also, do you want to do? Do you want to stay in whatever creative atmosphere you're chasing right now, or do you want to fall off to the wayside? Because that's what happens. There's so many of my friends. Yeah, particularly after you're here, like we're not most of. Uh, most people I know is like you come to Sydney because that's where you're told the agents are. That's where yeah. you've got to be for the industry. That's what you've got to do. You've got to be here so you can run to those things. Well, COVID here, it's like I haven't been in the room for a few callbacks here and there, but everything's even callback-wise self-taping again. Yeah. You got Zoom, dude? I hate Zoom. But like <laughs> there's everything Zoom now. They're, I know. Yeah. I know exactly right. They're raking it in. <laughs> they are, sure, but not when there's like 80 executives on the side in New York and in LA watching the same tape. And because they're on the Zoom call, they've all got to say they're Say so you're all sitting there for like four hours of auditioning. Like, I could have just self taped this from home, guys, and just fired this through. <laughs> Got the high speed, you know, five-way <laughs> cables. Like, so it, it's sort of it's sort of for me is a you don't need to be in Sydney if yes. you want to do this anymore. And problem for me is I just love Sydney. I know? do I do love Sydney, and I think if I were to move, um, it would be also like you know, obviously, it's a pretty before, creative place though. It, it, it is. It's yeah. a very creative place, and I also you know like I I think once I leave TV. Um, it will be just going into film and yeah. going into radio and doing and doing stuff that I really want to uh, enjoy because I think a lot of it was like trained by my parents, which was always have a stable job, and which I totally get. And that came from that era, though. It came from boomers, an era. Yeah. baby boomers, bro. They have this like, and good on them. But you grew up in an era where you know, like houses were two cents, Margaret, and <laughs> uh, like also you didn't pay for university. I look look at my like hex bill every year. I'm like, oh, that. 
thing. So, <laughs> and like that, it's like, like I, yeah, so probably should just start throwing money at that and paying it off. So I don't want her to die. <laughs> no, it's one of those things. You just take it to your grave and yeah. it's on your tombstone. No, it's, but it's one of those things when older generation talk to me, it's I'm like, true. you did not. Like, uh, I it's, it's true. I get that. And it's all relative now. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, yeah. I do I, get that. I, I, th- I think it's very true. Like, um, 100% because older gen, older gen. Just get very passionate about this stuff. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we we were sort of from the era of the, the late 80s, early 90s era. I think with our generations going into it, it, as you say, it's very different because, you know, with the hustle and bustle, especially when I grew up in Sydney and my I was chatting to uh, my partner about it and she and I often uh, say, like, you know, it's just one of those things that we s- s- talk about it and just go, we can't afford any houses in Sydney, like at all. Like within, within our salaries, it's virtually impossible. <laughs> and It's that- a daunting thing that too, hey? Yeah. Like I come from Brizzy, it's like even there, like, uh, like I, would, I would probably have more of a chance. Yeah. Like, and, and like that you do and like, and, and that's it. It's like, but do, is that like something I really want to uh, progress towards? Yeah. I mean, like maybe five years ago, I'm sitting there going like, give me 20 grand and I'll throw it into yeah, yeah, know, yeah. anything else other than property right now. And then, you know, you go through a COVID year and all that sort of stuff. And I mean, you get advice all over the place. Like it, every one of my mates is at that stage. So yeah. That's where I sort of sit. And then all my creative side of the board is like, no, like, yeah, yeah. and I'm so of the, the same thing as well, where I, I, I kind of, like I was saying, that, that attitude, it's like I sort of jumped into this 10 years ago where, like, you know, you, you come out of school, you yeah. don't really know what you don't. I was kind of one of those kids who kind of really knew pretty quickly that I wanted to chase uh, creativity in some form. Yeah. You know, you grow up watching films, you grow up doing that, and you go, oh, wait, that, that could actually be a career path. Let's give that a crack. How do I do that in Australia? Where do I end up? And Yeah. And I think also, though, the, the like – you know, people, it's funny that people would probably turn to you now and go, why did you move from Brisbane? It's gotten all the films now and it's getting... No, like- Brisbane doesn't have all the films. Gold Coast has all the films. <laughs> yeah. this, one's, oh, this is this is an awesome story for you. Yeah, and okay. that's it. Okay, so Brisbane, right? I, first big film I sort of got on, straight out of drama school, was Pirates of the Caribbean. It's the fifth one, which no one's really watched. <laughs> I've um, seen it, by the way. It's yeah. like, not the best, but... <laughs> Okay, no, mate, I'm telling you, it was one of the greatest years of my life, greatest couple of years of my life. So, like, can I say, though, when I saw you in it, I was like, oh, cool. You're like, <laughs> oh, he's actually visible and he says lines. There we go. Yeah. yeah. So, like, I sort of, I sort of booked this gig. I think um, the casting director was, was, um, was, uh, uh, like, really good to me. I think I'd, I'd seen her maybe 20 times my first year out. I, I think I'd like, so moved from Brizzy down to Sydney, did the drama school thing, got an agent. And my agent at the time was like, you've got to go to LA, mate. Like LA's where it's at. Like you go, go over to LA. It's just where all of these yeah, you know, yeah, young yeah. start their careers. I'm like, hell yeah, I'll go do it. No money. Just jumped on the plane. Went and did the trip. I think, I think I've been like on hold for like Marco Pol. No, it was some, it was some, something in the day. They're like, you're on hold for this. You know, it might be good just to throw your head into the casting director in LA and go, say good day so they remember you and you know you're like in town. No one tells you that you need a visa there. And everyone goes, oh no, you just lie, lie about your visa. You know, you do the O one one thing, jump out of the country, you go get it and you can push through. This is years ago, dude. Like visas are not easy things to get even then. Even more so now, it's so hard to get no one. Like yeah. you have to be this thing called an alien of unique or extraordinary talent. 
Rupert is not that. He's like, he can act and get get a role or something. So I was like sitting there being like, okay, this is great. Walked into, oh, no, I didn't even walk into a room. Had a self-tape for the casting director back in Australia for Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. It was like under a different name as they do. Anyway, like, so I'm in LA. Like, my agent texts me. I land back in Australia. My agent texts me. goes, oh, yeah, mate, that audition you did. Uh you're um you're on a hold for it. You're like one of the main like one of the main cast supporting ensemble. I was like, what's that mean? They're like, well, look, it's like Johnny, Jeffrey, the big guys there, and it's like, like yeah, yeah, like, yeah, whatever it is. And I was like, how's that identify as main cast? They're like, look, mate, it's gonna be nine months where you're gonna say yes to this. I was like, yes, yes, okay, whatever you say. <laughs> get back to Australia and yeah, get the call and you've got the role. And I just to my agent, and like they gave me the call and she's like, you're very excited, aren't you? I was like, I think I'm dancing around the room or something and. Turn around, I was like, yes, I'm very excited. But can I just say, I had to move from Brisbane, Queensland to Sydney to go to LA to audition for a film. Like, because I, I was like, oh, where's it going to be filmed? It's going to be the Caribbean. Because I heard they shot everywhere. And they're like, no, no, Gold Coast, Queensland, mate. So, yes, moved over to the other side of the world to book a role on a film back in my own hometown. Which was sick. I mean, because like all my mates are coming down like yeah, every yeah. weekend. It was all like this fun thing. I got to sort of share this awesome experience with them. It wasn't like because that that sort of lifestyle's lonely. Yeah, when you're traveling, you're on away jobs. Like, I've got mates with kids and everything now. Like they are on planes, particularly COVID, fifteen, sixteen weeks. If you're in a, if you're shooting a series or something away from your family, I mean, yeah. that would kill me. And like you know, you got to bubble up. You can't be out of those things. So that's no different for people who are traveling over the other side of the world. And yeah. So yeah, long story short, it's, it's a fickle old thing to say, you know, Brisbane's booming now, but like, I, I will never knock just how, how, how awesome it is to be on a big set. And like, yeah. it, it happens all the time now, you know, like what we're shooting up. Oh, Elvis, not me. I can't sing to save myself. It was like, you know, a Marvel films here right now. He's a guestie. He's that, he's that. Yeah. And you build up that IMDB credit pro thing that matters to all of the, the agents and us guys over there now, but, it's kind of it's kind of hilarious with um since all of the over over the toppers so your foxtels and all that don't have as much pull anymore and now it's like Netflix is just infested Australia you know you got yeah. Stan making this content so and then even then I mean you're pushing this YouTube stuff like there is high end YouTube even Amazon Prime yeah I mean, what was the um the Karate Kid one Cobra Kai yes and you see how that got greenlit now it's like oh it's fully picked up and gone so. You yeah, know, and I'm someone who was like, I will not ever boycott the original, you know, Karate Kids. I'm really not a fan of reboots, like yeah. let's be honest. But you know, like if 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 it's a new fan original, yeah, boy. Or if it's like you know, let's continue the story on like what they did with Cobra Kai forty years later. Yes, yeah, that is awesome stuff. So yeah, big rant there. Go on. <laughs> but I mean, like that that with you all you saying, I think it's also like uh, you know. With uh, Marvel doing stuff now in Sydney, yeah. like the the one thing that uh, Shang Chi was entirely filmed in Sydney, yeah. um, in Parramatta. I watched the trailer and I was like, "This looks like San Fran." Uh, yeah, like, yeah. Um, but also, uh, like you just part of you goes, "That's really cool that they shoot this stuff now in Sydney." It doesn't have to look like Sydney. I like I watch, um, like. Marvel films that I've shot in Australia and I just go, yeah, they're not filmed. But I remember like years ago, I was working Today Show and when Thor Ragnarok was filming in Australia, 
And everyone's like, oh, look at Chris Hemsworth. Look at him. And, you know, I remember just thinking, I was like, these are people at work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, these are yeah, people yeah. actually trying to get something done. As much as they love people fanning out, not when they're in the middle of takes. Yeah. Like, they just need to get it done and go <laughs> um, because they're on a big. And I think one of the best things was Jake Gyllenhaal. He said in an interview when he did Spider-Man, he was like really confused because he had worked on indie. He'd worked on so many indie properties. Yeah. And he came to this big Disney Oh, like, is this the Mark Maron one? Um, what were you listening on? This is uh, no. Oh God, I, no! Was it? Um, it was on like an interview on yeah, YouTube, yeah. and I can't remember what he was talking about. Yeah, uh, yeah. But um, yeah, he was saying like he did. He jumped like he was on this platform, and he was like against the blue screen, and he had to jump down and sort of stick his hands out like it was magic powers and everything. And it was like, oh, you know, stand back. And so he did that, and then they were like, perfect, done. Next take. Uh, let's mm. ne- let's move on. And he was like, oh, okay, um, cool. <laughs> Uh, and then he, he was like, oh, no, we'll, we'll make your hands glow in post and everything. And he's like, okay, cool. And so he saw the film lighting was like, ah, now it makes sense because yeah, a lot of those films, it's just a paid job. Now. It's just a, it's yeah. just a paid job. But also th- there is a lot of stuff that you admire about those films. Cause they do get to a point where some of the, I think some of the big shots have to be so quick because they're so expensive to read redo so many takes yeah because they're like okay we just got to get it done so we can move on to the the stuff that we can character focus because when it's not character focused scenes i can't do a lot yeah i've got to keep it very much to the disney corporation and the marvel studios corporation which do follow guidelines cookie cutter man they're cookie yeah. cutters they it's the same with every superhero film you've got to have at least three action scenes <laughs> yeah um big climax is one of them and then just the entire baddie gets defeated and i feel like a lot of the time uh you know like when you see films that have a lot of um, character breakdown, they're some of the best things because sometimes the actors finally get to act. They're not just doing an action scene and then going, okay, cool. They get, actually get to have dialogue and chew it through. Man, even on, on from that, I've got heaps of mates who just want to be like, you know, do their own, own stunts. It's like, well, like, or like be, be the action person. Yeah. Like on the same token, it's not, not necessarily about the material in terms of acting. It's about the material and showing their skills and their skills don't necessarily have to be delivering a line or doing yeah. an accent or, you know, a voice or like for some actors, it's about like, oh, I can throw a punch. I can do that flip in the air. I can do this and that as me, man, I'm sort of overdoing the own stunt thing. <laughs> so it's, um, it's, it's in, in that aspect, you got everything under the sun. So, yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I met someone the other day. He's like, oh, I'm going to go get my motorbike license so I can get, you know, I can, people can film me on my motorbike. And I was like, okay, I ride a motorbike every day. I think I've had like maybe one, sh- a couple shoots here and there. Like, can you ride your motorbike? I'm like, yeah. It's like the moment you go over 40 K dude, they are putting a stunt man on that. Like if you're going to do anything like sort of creative, what you have to understand is on, on bigger things, unless you're doing it and shooting it yourself, you're probably not going to be allowed yeah. to flex that. And, e- and even this thing, like, I um some of the bigger sets as well, or some of the some some of just even the more like I want to call it like intrinsic sets or like the Shakespeare sort of works. You are sometimes getting people giving you line reads on inflection, you know, yeah. like voice work and all that, and you sort of go, "It's what you realize as an actor just is you're very quickly just the puppet, yeah, and you are getting everything." Which at the end of the day, if you're happy to go along for that ride, I think I think everyone should do it. Like yeah, it's my yeah. thing. I think everyone should go do and learn that way because it's a lot better than going to a, a like say a school or whatnot now. And I, I love love drama school and film schools and all yeah, those yeah. things. But you fail in a different way there, and you're sheltered on a big set. You're you're not 
like people are like, oh, you can fail on a big set and you can do that. Not necessarily if everyone's hand-holding you so much and it's legit, you're jumping onto a fan-already-followed thing. People are going to criticize this a little harder than what, I, what I'm saying is there's a lot less room to fail on a really great running show where you've been brought into the creative team who haven't failed and you're like coming into this entire team and you're going to be nurtured. Yeah. You're going to be taken care of. It's like, if you fall, they're going to catch you so quickly, but also you're going to be fed the information in a certain way. And eventually you might get sick of it and say, I want to branch out and be my own actor and do those sort of things. And you can, we can every, like, I mean, like there's handfuls of handfuls of actors who have been like, come up through the kids stream. You know, they were child actors. They were doing those sort of things, being handheld by great directors and all that sort of stuff. And then they come out and they sink when they try and do it by themselves. Yeah. Or they go out and it's like, oh, they're trying something new and it's awesome and it's cool and it's really working for them. Yeah. So, yeah, there's there's a few things that I think, like I love this attitude of fail gloriously and you learn anyway. Like that you can come back from anything this day and age. I feel like if it's if it's a bad film, if it's something, it's like you can't come back from anything in your own personal life this day and age, it seems. But, you know, like if you've got, if you've got, if you've got this attitude of I'm just going to try and fail and, yeah. and see what's happening, I think I think a lot of people will do that because what's the worst that's going to happen? People just aren't going to watch that. Yeah, and then you get another get another shot at it. So, yeah, I sort of find these these attitudes of people being like, oh, I can't, I can't just take that chance. We can't do this. It's like say yes to every opportunity. That's what I did. Like I missed out on a lot of roles, and then I got one where it's like, oh, this is a big film. I might do this. Oh, oh, this is another one. I'm shooting something in Newcastle next week, and. It's just from a bunch of guys I said yes to on on a short, and I really loved working with them. Great script and great things. They were like 20, 21 when I shot it. I was like, okay, this will be an experience. Got there, one of the best shorts I think I've ever done. And now, like, yeah, the DP was like, dude, come do this feature. Just do a couple of days on it. And I was like, if you this is what happens is if you've worked with the creative before and you know they're good work, it doesn't even matter. I was like, man, I kind of need to see the script. If you think it's good and you think I'm good in it, I love working with you. You're awesome. That was one of the best experiences. Let's do it again. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's just sort of the funny thing about how you you start picking and choosing jobs. Or... Yeah, and I think I think it's also like um you know it's it's a it's never a bad thing. I think one of the um one of the things that I often often think about, especially when you make stuff as well. And I know I know a couple of friends who want to remake short films they made back in the day. Like, remake a short film? Yeah. No, well, like remake a short film as another short film. Or make it again, like they weren't happy with how it f- turned out. The you know ten years ago, and I always oh, think, be careful. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, and sometimes it's not; it's the writing, or sometimes it just the film isn't like you know where you are. Like you know, it's it, it down to things. But I think sometimes when people try and remake stuff that they've already made, there there seems to be retreading old formats yeah but if it's the exact same thing i would be like dude be real careful but yeah if it's totally like just re-envision it like yeah. that's it like i mean like there's so much stuff that it, like nothing's original not do that but like you can totally come up with new ideas but mm. that's uh, like i would say sometimes remaking is lack of creativity but also you as the creative just have to like suck that out suck that one up and be like i really love that you know and yeah i enjoyed that and and that's what I did at the time. Yeah. And if I'm going to remake it, it's going to be a new reimagining. Yeah. But if you say it like, I think I'm just listening to the world word remake. And I'm like, don't do it. Just don't do it. <laughs> Create like remake it. Give it a new name. Do something different. Yeah. And no one's going to know. Like, no. So, 
yeah, that's probably, <laughs> let's just put that script back in the incubator and just go from there. So I think, I think it's also like, um, my favorite everything is sequel sequels and sometimes sequels work. Like sometimes yeah, a yeah. sequel, but sequels are great. That means you're moving on a lot. Remake means you haven't moved on a lot. Yeah, life, right? is, isn't that, like I'm trying to Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think one of the um, I often had this for years. I had this concept, um, which I wrote a story, a short film when I left drama school. Um, when I left high school, it was like my graduating yeah. high school drama video because I, you know, the part of the curriculum was either you could do a monologue or you could do a film. Yeah, and I was like, hands down, I'm going to try and make a film. So I made it on a handy cam. It looks like shit, mm-hmm. but I made it all by myself. <laughs> Um, it would look good. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's not great. Um, but one of the things that I really liked the idea behind it, and I was like, okay, what if I did a sequel set like ten years later, and I played the main character again because the main character was played by me because obviously you had to do a performance. And I remember thinking, I was like, what would I do? And it was about this guy who was looking after his mother, and I thought, why don't the sequel story be about after a few years after she had passed away, he still thinks about her. And it's still Mm. kind of like the fact of when people lose people, they still don't entirely move on. They just kind of let it linger and let it fester in themselves. And I think one of the things was, I was like, I really reflected upon that after both losing both my grandparents, but, um, and also just like chatting about it with um, my mom and dad about loss. And I think it was like, when they, when you lose a parent, it's very, you know, it's very surreal. It's very different. And I think um, there's a lot of times where also, uh, you know, you, I went to, I went to a funeral at the end of the last year, which was a very tragic funeral for someone I knew in um, primary high school mm. who passed away. And um, one of the things that I went, I hadn't seen so many of my high school friends in like, seven years and it was the most surreal experience because everyone was talking about grief everyone was talking about the missing this person i was like okay this is this is a lot because one of the things was i didn't get along with most of these people when i was in high school yeah but grief brings people together it does weirdest way it does and everyone was like coming up to me and going i'm really sorry about high school and i'm really sorry and i was like Oh my god! This is—it was very overwhelming experience. Oh, what a healing experience! I, it was you know? so like, nice, yeah. but it was—it it was very, very like I remember, um, just kind of processing it afterwards and going, "Okay, that is exactly the angle I need to take with it," because you get all these people at a funeral environment where they're saying sorry and you haven't seen them in so long and there's a little bit of awkwardness to them but there's also a little bit of connection and there's open honesty about them as well because the people say things at funerals they might never say ever again yeah yeah. and a lot of it comes from a place of vulnerability yeah and i think that also when it comes to those kind of stories people need to remember when you write a story always remember the heart because human emotions and part of the story is what people are interested in they're not interested in like i definitely when i watch a film i don't go oh that film was interesting like um if it's void of human heart I suddenly notice because I'm suddenly pulled out of the story. Yeah, it's got to cost you something. Like I don't want to say you got to bleed for your art or something, but it's got to it's got to have you cost something, or we've got to have seen what the artist has put yeah. in here. In like I would say in, in the creative perspective is like when you're seeing their, them do their interview yeah. after writing a book or something like that. Um, you, you're seeing what it costs them to put it in there, and yeah, you know, going back to that funeral, you, you you're you're now approaching your art in a totally different way with a different fuel. Yeah, you know, so that that like I hate saying it, but something I very much relate to, and I and I'd rather I'll say I'd rather be this personal creative that hasn't gone through stuff, but it just it you just have, and yeah. who cares? And it's not about using it; it's just I don't feel like you need to tell everyone about it. You know, use it, 
use it in your in your thing and have one poignant thing that you know that big thing for you like we had a really tragic funeral we went to this sort of thing and then that might be one thing that's really powered yeah. your storytelling now and like you don't have to tell people what it is because then people i think there's there's this oversharing culture now <laughs> it's like yeah. just let the work speak for itself I don't need to know that you came from that. I think it's cool little anecdotes you tell on your film sets and do that. But when you're sitting there just telling the entire story and it's become this huge anecdote, it's like, ah, well, I just don't need to go watch your film now, do I? <laughs> that That's what I mean. I, I have done it before. I'm like, I got more out of listening to you do the documentary and podcast about the film than I did out of the film itself because yeah. it didn't translate as well. You yeah. Know? Versus if you just let it speak for itself, keep, keep, have some secrecy to your art. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, Does, am I making sense from that? No, no, hundred percent. And I think, I think a lot of the time it's, it's when you're kind of nutting out an idea that, yeah, talk about it and talk about where the idea originates from. But when you go to an audience, I'm not going to tell the audience, no, Hey, this is what, this is yeah. the events <laughs> leading up to it. Um, because it really does. It really does like take you out of it. And I think, I agree with that. There's a whole bunch of oversharing because you want to go to a cinema and experience it. You don't want to be told prior to that experience what that you should be feeling. Yeah, but I say this to directors too. Like if a script comes to me, I'm like, they like start telling me about it. And I'm like, just give me the elevator pitch, dude, because I want to read your script and be, I like, I like, I like reading. I like, I I genuinely love getting a story for the first time. Because after you've like, so it's one thing like some of my favorite writers and all that do is like, I, you, I envy you right now because you're, you're reading the story for the first time. Yeah. And that is so cool. And that's, that's where you get with the director. They go, Oh, Hey mate, can you get in my film? I've just got this um, really cool idea. And you're like, just stop, dude, send me the script. I'm really quick, quick reader, but I want, I don't want, I don't want you to ruin what you've written for me to be. Like, yes, I love this or not. Yeah. And it just happened like last week. I said to this director, I was like, I really quite like your script, you know, and I really want to do it. And thanks so much for letting me read it for the first time. Because he got on the phone and he was like starting to tell me. And I was like, just stop. Yeah. Just let me read this bad boy. I think I think there's a yeah there's a there's a lot of people wanting to explain and you know and I know I've been guilty of that as well because I feel like there is this sort of thing where you are you do feel like you have to prove <laughs> where mm. your stories come from and yeah, I I think everyone does that's just yeah. our generation I don't know what generation didn't maybe our like grandparents that's us were like ah oh, yeah I'm really good and I need to do this right now give me the money so <laughs> <laughs> it's Andrew isn't true but I mean like yeah it's it's very much like if you have an idea and I like the script, mm. I will help you out. Yeah. And I will and I think it's also one of the things that I sort of love about some scripts is um when they they, they take ideas and I've I've definitely read scripts and and definitely adjusted scripts. Um but like depending on whether or not I'm helping make them or I'm directing them or anything like that. I remember one of my favorite scripts that I um one of my friends wrote and then I kind of adjusted the ending and stuff, but we worked through it together and then I had to kind of like tweak elements, but it's one of my favorite scripts because I knew where she came from, from the script. Yeah. But I was like, I don't have to explain this to the audience because the audience are going to have a very different experience with it and they're going to love it or hate it. Like it's going to be up to them. But I think what I was like, um, I had a read through and this was like pre COVID and everything. And um, we had a read through and everything and had a um, breakdown of the script and every one of the um, people who was at the read through and every one of the um, crew members who was going to be involved were just like, I love this. This Mm. is great because one, it tells a story um, that really 
is interesting to a lot of different people for different reasons. And also, too, it's just kind of a quirky and, like, weird story. Uh, um, but, I, I mean, like, if I were to go to everyone and just explain the meaning behind it, it's like, where are you finding the clues in it? Like, yeah. where are you doing the puzzle hunting in this film to come back later and be like, oh, my God, you know, what what did I think about it? It's almost not creativity, really, then, is it? No. You, know, you may as well be in a board meeting or something. Yeah. Explaining. <laughs> Uh, no, not to knock that. Like some people love make, m- making yeah. like concepts like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sometimes to an extent, I mean, documentary filmmaking's come a long way since that. I feel like what we just explained then was a lot of doco sort of film stuff is just giving you the information so you know about this sort of thing. You yeah, know, yeah, you yeah. need to understand what's going on in the world. So, well, isn't documentary filmmaking like? In we've written this to inspire or create change. Yes. So it's got to be crystal clear. It's got to be this and that. Versus you're not making films sometimes. Or fictional films or whatnot to essentially do that. So yeah, it's it's there to be the surprise, and then that's where I struggle. It's like I love being knocked off my feet. I love being completely sideswiped, and 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 being like, "Yep, okay, you got me." You know, yeah. That, that and and they're the films and they're the books. They're the things that stick with me. You know, yeah. When I can predict something or I see it coming or I've been told about it, I'm like, "Yeah, next." So, like that's just me though. So I, th- I think it's also what I, um you know I would describe you very much also as a character actor. And no. yeah, I can be different, but yeah, I go, okay, right, I'll take it. It's a very nice. Yeah, no, I, I, th- I, I take that because I, I feel like you, you do chuck yourselves in. I see elements of your personality, but I also see you chuck like one eight. You're not talking about just changing appearance makes me a no. Character. Okay, good. No, 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 because no. like I was the- like, I will do that purely for the easy thing first up. But if if the rest of the thing is just me with a different hairdo or a shaved head or whatnot, it's like, dude, really you're cheating. Like, come on, man. So yeah, I know. I it, get what you mean, though. Yeah, it's. I think it's like um, when you're when you're on and off screen is in and you're kind of like you know the character and you know what kind of position you want to do and everything. It doesn't matter if you radically change your appearance. I think a lot of people assume that character actors radically change how they look and how Isn't they that bullshit though. Like it's it's. Yeah. So, it's <laughs> Because that's just makeup. It's just a hundred percent makeup yeah. and and styling and as that just is another layer. But it's a lot of it is art. And I think one of the um, this is no offense to any makeup no. person I have worked with because they are my favorite people, probably hands down on set because you spend so much time with them. I know you get to know their life. They become like your best friends. So I love everything that comes with costume, with makeup, and all that. I'm just saying like. I want to get the character and improve on what they've done. Yeah. So that's it. I want to I like show me what makeup you want to use and oh yeah, do you reckon that looks good? Like it's that's what it means like everyone on set becomes that with you as well. Yeah. So yeah, but thank you. Very nice compliment. I feel humbled. <laughs> I can go and have a good day. Now. <laughs> um but i mean like you know i think with everything as well if you if you said you know and i think that means that people are you know i've definitely met actors who won't change much about who they are they'll mm. and and i think there's like there's different stages of because it's scary it's scary you look stupid you can come off stupid like but but the thing about being in front of an audience is they want to see you perform they yeah. want to see you do something different so if you have this fear you're not going to be able to do that. Yeah, well, you get the director who's like, I want to capture that fear now. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> and it's And it's so true. But I mean, like, um, you know, I think also when you have distinct characters or distinct people, it's very easy to kind of chuck them in different roles and have them, uh, you know. And also, like, I, I love watching your, like, um, show reels and stuff because I always know the roles that you've had heaps of fun with and the wo- roles that I'm like... 
Rupert's Rupert's still a little bit unsure of what the director <laughs> wanted on this scene because it's so it's so obvious and you know it's less obvious than some actors, mm. but I think when an actor is really uncomfortable and knows to evoke that that they're not sure that the direction is the right direction, yeah, yeah. it's very obvious. Sometimes. And most of the time, like because if you're doing a film, you're like that's one of maybe like we're saying three or four takes that they did on the day. Yeah, the one that you felt comfortable with probably wasn't continuity right. You know, yeah, it wasn't this right. It wasn't that right. So you're kind of caught out. That's why I'm like. I'm just going to really nail what I can do in the first two or three takes and hope they use one of those. Because after it gets over five, my memory's like, like I can't even keep up with what I've done oh, I know. five minutes ago. But you're like, I just don't know what they're going to use. So, you, you know, the funny thing is, though, I know that this is this is what they taught you in film school, which was always get the master shot first. Yeah, yeah, and then punch in. And then punch in. But I think it's often better to punch in first and yeah. then do the master shot last because the master shot you really just use to get some movement yeah, in. Yeah. You don't use it for the performance. So by the time you get to the close-up shots, the actors are a little bit tired anyway. You get on experience sets, though, and, like, I mean, like, I'm, I'm sort of at a point. Like, I've been at a point for a while now where I'm like, oh, they are so far out. I was like, what lens you got on? Okay, sweet. I'm like, I'm just going to I'm just gonna cruise it. Like, I'm not, like, saying it too much. Just like, I'm saving this for some, like, you know, heat. Yeah. Or I use those bigger, wider shots, like most would, to really figure out what's going on. Because, you know, if they're punching in early and you don't know what's going on, you are just going to be caught out. Like, yeah. So the, the thing is, is, like, particularly on, on sets where you don't get the rehearsal, you rock up there on the day. Your your masters and those sort of things are really you figuring out what you got to do within a confined boundary, of yeah. course. But yeah, that's the thing is like punching in early. I love that personally. If I'm coming in and like I I, I like everyone has the dreams where they wake up. Like every actor has the dreams where they forget their lines and all that. Mm. If I ever got to a point where I didn't know my lines or I was that you know bad on the set, I would be like, oh my god, this is going to be a nightmare. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, like your craft just speeds up. You get to that point where you you do, and you should be at a point where you should be ready for any shot. I guess. Yeah, you know? and that was my. It's not my problem as such. It's just I find actors who aren't whose technique isn't quick enough in this day and age where we are at lightning lightning speed records on sets to yeah. get the shots to do all these sort of things. Like there's a lot more coverage now than there ever used to be. I find. Yeah, and if your technique's not good enough to do that, you do not want to be that person holding up the set for any reason. No one does. Really, no, at the end of the day. I, <laughs> unless you're on an artistic set, and they're like, you know, we're just gonna stay here for 150 I, takes. I think it's also like um the the one the best thing is when I worked with those three 13 year old girls because they were so on top of it. Yeah, and and one thing I love about um you know kids being on set is they kind of just they're, you know, you got you your set parameters are hours, so you yeah. they can only work a certain limit, and they have to have a certain amount of break time. And one of the things though is like, they all arrived early with their mothers, and they're all in makeup. And I remember my makeup artist was like, oh, you know, well, the girls' call time isn't going to be into this time. And I was like, well, it's probably better to get there early because then you'll be ready. And lo and behold. They all got there early and they were straight in makeup before even their call time was meant to be. And I was like, perfect. We're just going to get them so they're ready by, because if we run out of time, then it's going to be a nightmare later. Good so, on you for writing a script with 13-year-olds in it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, and I, one of the things that I think really impressed me was like they knew all their lines. They knew what they were doing. They knew everything. And you didn't have to really like worry about them. You yeah. just kind of like had one person looking after making sure they weren't cold or anything like that. And they had water and everything. But apart from that, they were doing their own needs and their own wants. And it was just like, you get to some sets and you get people who are much older, who act way more immature than 
yeah, you know, kids. Yeah. And I'm like, how is that? Like these kids are way more professional they're, and they're influenced by everyone else. And they're hard workers. They're, you know, the fact that it's not just their parents trying to teach them. They want to do a good job. Yeah, yeah. And that is such a work ethic um, thing where I always go, you're there to do a job. You're there to have fun and to do a job. And at the end of the day, it's it's remember your lines. Know, know what you're doing. Hit and your then, mark, know your lines. Yeah. Just, and, and be there on time. It's, yeah. yeah. And it's a format. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but also, you know, don't, you know, none of them. We just said to them sometimes, you know, just like, if you want to do something, do it. Like, if you want to have a bit of, you know, personality to this particular, if you don't feel like you're doing enough, do something out random and we won't say no to it. Because I think the thing that I would say to someone is just, if you you have a moment where you get to do something weird, you go, go ham, go go and have fun with it. Do the weirdest thing you th- um, can do. And then either I can go less or more. Yeah. Because yeah. you gauge it on how you, you know, you want that person to be because... But going around in a circle is not bad. No. You know, you know, like starting here and going, okay, that's my intention and that's what I'm going to do. I, I, I want to do. Yeah. Okay, now I'm going to go search every other aspect of what this character or what I could possibly do in the next few takes only to return back to the yeah. position where I started. And that's all right because you've like you've gone and explored what else you can do but versus yeah. sometimes you just get option A. Yeah. So, and that's all right. If I, if you nail it every time on option A, you can do it. You, and that's all in your own mind. You probably get a huge ego if you think you can do that. <laughs> but if you're not exploring the other avenues around to get back to option A there, you know, I had to go look at, and sometimes that, that like shits me to death. Like I'm like, well, we got it right the first time and my immaturity in me, and I'm such an impatient person. I know this. I'm like, well, if we got it right the first time, why are we come back and doing it again that way? It's like, no, no, you kind of had to go around that huge circle. And it wasn't until I like started to age a little that I was like, yeah, we kind of do have to explore yeah. all the wrong ways to do this first. So we're, we're getting that right option. Yeah. And it's it's been done as opposed to that was just a guess and we lucked out. And I love luck. And I yeah. love I love those sort of situations where it, it all works out and you're just like, you know, everyone's coming up to you. Mm, it was such a good tangle. It's brilliant. Let's go. <laughs> and then you're like, yeah, I love that. But on the same token, you know, you're sometimes going around and I, I, I love also when someone goes, I think the big thing for me is, like you were saying, is like looking at the director and going, hey, oh, I got that right. Oh, like, hey, can you help me? And all yeah, that. Because yeah, yeah. I will give praise to anyone. I'll be like, thank you so much. You really helped me there. Yeah. I also love, and I've had it with a few directors, them turning around and go, nah, mate, you had it right the first time. You know, mm. like, and that takes a lot because, you know, you just need some pampering. And <laughs> yeah. So you need to, you need to really have this nice way of paying it forward, but also, when when everyone's got when the team's done a good day or it's done a good shoot or it's all worked out, all the creatives on board who helped that work out, I think it's so important to say we all got there together yeah. because of this and that was a really good creative process. Probably do, soon. Do you think do you think now that you know the older you've gotten especially, as well as like having done more like behind the scenes stuff and mm. um do you think that's made you more humble? on set as well like in terms of nah, what you want. I grew up as a modest kid like I knew that I knew that and like even from school days and all that sort of stuff mm. I don't think I was too much of it like I, th- I think it's just because I was a nervous like maybe a nervous kid I know it sounds weird saying that now but like yeah I, I like it was always about like if someone praised you you'd be like oh no self-deprecating it's like oh, I'm not like that and I, I like I think I really struggle with it now. And that's a thing going to the States is you sort of got to come over as confidence yeah. with confidence where we say, well, you're going over there with ego. You're arrogant, you know, tall poppy. You got yeah. this sort of And experience it in every aspect of the life now is like the more you've 
you've gotten to those sort of areas, you, being humble is, I, I think, the greatest lesson in life to learn because if you're not, you better be able to handle yeah. it, like the Instagram things. And you see it all the time. And i got mates who are just sitting there. like And guys I know really well who have posted the wrong thing on their story or done something and they've just copped the bullets, you know, like the, the online hate and all that sort of stuff now. And so it's like be humble because the moment you're not, you have that moment of a little slip up. And not, not to say that, it's like because I'm ready to delete Instagram and all that personally. I'm like so over that mm-hmm. <laughs> social thing. But... Yeah, it's it's too easy not to be to to be caught out not being humble, um, in the world in general now. Yeah, you know, you just get flicked around, you get you you get pretty pretty beat up, and yeah, that's the thing. If you if you're gonna talk the talk, you got to really walk it, and if you don't, you get caught out. You better have the skin of rhinoceros and like the absolute heart of 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 iron to deal with it if you don't yeah and the thing is we're in a different generation we we haven't really grown up unless you're in these other countries we haven't grown up in a lot of diversity and hard like war times and all that that the people who do deal with that the best i think did they grew up in harder times so yeah our generation my generation it's like oh you know, the hardest thing you had to do was pay your edge out today. So it's it's not to knock that at all. It's just life operates in a different way. And I think coming back to it, if you're not humble, you grew up in a different world and it highlights you so quickly. Now. Yeah. And that's all it is, is that different experiences mean people have different views on life. And I accept everyone. It's just, yeah, understanding where humility came from. It's like, it's all experience in life. Yeah. I think that also makes you a team player though, because I, I often, Absolutely. Yeah. I, I get frustrated when I go to set and there's no one's being a team player or, you know. And... I think we've all had moments where we don't want to be either. And yeah. don't. i got to say that too. I've totally been the guy being like, come on guys, wasting everyone's time. Let's yeah. Go. Yeah. And I think, I think, yeah, it's one of those things that it's just, it's a, pet peeve of mine and, and not to say this this doesn't happen in uh, you know but it, it does happen in the prove- um, professional and indie world where it's just you you really do kind of feel like sometimes it's just someone being there who's not a team player and it's just mm-hmm. like why are you here and especially like i hate going to set sometimes and having someone complain about something it's like why are you even in this industry if you hate it so yeah, much like yeah, yeah, yeah. The, i get it's just bitter and yeah. it comes down to that and you've and you've probably just caught them on an off day. A hundred percent. You know, um, I, I was out there, like particularly at drama school, the tears flew. Like they were like, oh, what's on, what's wrong today? If you're not there for each other, but also on, on sets, like eh, yeah. all the time. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, and I think that's also like, um, you know, it's just a reflection of like, you know, as you say, where you are on the day, but also um, what's just happening. Like yeah. literally, like I know some. Life still has to happen around your job. And yeah. when you realize that the creative industry is is just like it is a job, but you know it has this fictional attitude towards yeah, it. Yeah, so really. You're like, oh, why are you upset? We're doing a fun thing. No, you're allowed. To, you're allowed. To, you're not. You're not supposed to love this job every day of your life. No, and if it is a job, that's what it becomes. So yeah, and I think it's also like um, you know just take five for yourself as well. Mm. Like I think it's one of the things that I stress about to people is like. Um, you know, especially with like mental health and everything is, you know, take a step back on a day when you're just like, oh, I've had a bit of a shit morning or anything that shit's actually happened in that day. Mm. Take five when you get a lunch break and go and sit, you know, so you can process 
yeah. more. Because because at the end of the day, as long as it's not... It takes years to learn, though. Yeah, I know. Some people just don't know how to do it. But I mean, yeah, like... We're in an overworking generation. <sighs> you know, you know, it's like working 16, 20-hour days, you know, yeah. going to bed, you know, like particularly whatever, like people like, you know, you want to run your business, you got to do that. I love overworking. I'm not going to lie. I love it. But I'm a burnout king. Like I got real sick at school, even like glandular fever. And when I crash and get sick, I crash and die. Yeah. So like I love overworking and I like, I think I did a 16, like maybe I, I did a huge day on Friday. It was really long. And I got up at like, I don't know, after like a few hours of sleep and I was like, I feel great. And did a huge work, like did, did life. And I was like, oh, the dude in me that knows that when I've overworked and I'm hating stuff, I hate everyone around me. I hate this. Yeah. I hate that. So mental health so impor- important, but we're in a generation where people want you to overwork. Yeah. So yeah, when you're overworked, when you're doing that. But yeah, th- you tell someone to take a break. They are, like my biggest attitude, and I'm like, do like you need a holiday, you need to chill out, you need to do this, like taking off that day. It's got to happen now because you're gonna be forced to take off a week or two later. Yeah. You know, take the day or the five minutes you need now so you can work and do the things you need to do later. Yeah, it's 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 immensely important. Like I do twelve hour days. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Your TV yeah. hours are crazy. I, my hours are insane. But, and you're, but you're on your feet. You're there. You're calling. You're on comms all day. You know. So yeah, but I mean, like there there is a certain element of also, um, you know, you can be on your feet and you can be doing running around doing stuff. But also, they the one thing I love about my job is that when they go you take a break. You can go and take an hour. Yeah. You can go and take an hour. And they really encourage it because they don't want you to come back and just do more work. They're mm. like, take that solid hour, do something you want to do because you'll be unwound like, and you'll be much happier and in a better headspace to continue the rest of the shift. Yeah. Like, it's not like, oh my God, you know. And I think a lot of the time, you know, people just assume that, uh, you know, you can just keep pushing through. And it's like, that is such an, um, like, I'm a workaholic. As well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, like, I don't, and I get people who aren't and people who, yeah. who are. Like, I, I, I think the acceptance is awesome. But also, you know, here's the thing is that you you start to bring on that attitude every day. And here's the thing someone was like to me once. They're like, oh, I didn't, oh, I was working, I think, a job I hated at the time. They're like, oh, you're always like, cranky Rupert or something I was like hell yeah I was I hated what I was doing like and I and that's all you met but like because they never saw me in the fun times yeah I would be fun outside of work I would be you know around my mates around whoever I was I was like you know on the beers like this is awesome this is so much fun this is cool but like and I even notice it like when I haven't got work you know, yeah. that's the other thing as well is like, you're like, oh, becoming Cranky Rupert again. Like it's, it's a funny thing, but yeah, taking your breaks, doing that and having your, your hobby or having something outside of it. Like whenever I haven't had, I, I think a few years there, I was like, I am just going to do hundred percent acting. And sure. I got like more acting work than I ever did in my life, but I was pretty hard person to be around. I think like I can, I can say that like really honestly that I was probably the worst person that I've ever been in my life to be around because I was just doing one thing and had no outlet anywhere else. Yeah. So your breaks sort of have to be, you know, these things like I think I'm doing like I somehow got into this weird fanatical thing of triathlons in the last few years. And I think it came from having a sporting background. But, yeah, like it's, it's a huge outlet because I'm so exhausted all the time and you don't have uh, like, you know, time to care about what you're doing there and it's exhausted in a different way i know we were talking about exhaustion or tired in another way but like you're doing something where you're challenging yourself in another way that's outside of your everyday job yeah and that that can 
like innately affect your creativity in a really nice way as well. So, yeah, mental health-wise is having time for yourself. And if yeah. you're not creating time for yourself in some way or another, it's really going to have a downfall. Because, like, I, I got, like, heaps of mates, family and all that stuff. Yeah. That and you see it from this outside perspective and you're like, for them, they can't see it. Like, they're lost in the, the confusion, right? Yeah. But for you on the outside, you're like, oh, it's so clear to me what you're doing. And yeah. it's so clear to them what I was like, what I'm doing wrong when I'm going through a t- tough time as well. They're like, they can see it clearer than anyone. You're like, well, why didn't you tell me? It's <laughs> <laughs> the red lights just go off, and you're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I know it's it's always like um, the crash and burn period, and um, yeah, so many of my friends automatically see the, like the warning signs. I go, are you okay? I'm yeah. like, I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. No, I'm not. <laughs> like yeah. you just you automatically realize, and I think, but um, I kind of like the crash and burn too at times. Really bad, and just to play devil's advocate is because then you learn really clearly that you need to. Listen. Yes. So that's that's there's, cool. There's a time and a place for a crash and burn, and there's they are well worth having, and then it also makes you look forward to kind of having a break from everything. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, and also, yeah, as we say, time for yourself, just have time for yourself because, um, yeah, you're, you're spending so many hours around people that sometimes you forget that maybe the small little things that you do for yourself suddenly become the biggest things in the world and you're just like, oh my God, I haven't done this for me mm-hmm. in so long. And that's not a selfish act or anything like that. Um, but you're going to do something like go to the movies by yourself or go and read a book or go to a park or go and take a walk for yourself, whatever you find relaxing, do that for you because you'll feel, as you say, with the triathlons, you'll just feel like better for it. And yeah, you- but it always takes hindsight to learn these things. <laughs> I mean, like I'm sitting there going, oh, it's like that, that, that year, like two years ago, I was feeling so It's like, what was I doing then? It's like, oh yeah, I was doing that thing that worked. And then I gave it up. Why did I give it up? Yeah, and, and it takes hindsight for you to sometimes pick those things back up again, which is hilarious to me. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I sometimes have these like I used, like I thought I, I think of myself as being like so with it and so smart, and <laughs> just a dumb idiot sometimes. <laughs> but yeah. a lovable dumb idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, I'm gonna wrap us up there, Please. but but can I just say this has been an awesome conversation? Thank you for joining me, Rupert. Thank it's you been, for having me. Um, and yeah, if you want to tune in, um, if you, where can they find you on socials? You have a website. No, oh, website, <laughs> Insta. Have me on Insta. I'm private on Insta. Okay. That sort of thing. Oh, just, just type in Rupert and Ari and Google. You'll find me somewhere. <laughs> um, but if you want to check out more episodes of the things we do, you can check them out on Apple and Spotify. And I will be speaking with another guest and I will speak to you all later. Goodbye. Goodbye.